What is up, you guys? Welcome to 10 Pin Life Podcast number eight with the shark, Chris Prather. This episode of the 10 Pin Life Podcast is sponsored by 10 Pin Toolkit, which is fastly becoming my favorite app on my phone. 10 Pin Toolkit is like the app to have if you coach anybody in the sport of bowling, even if it's for yourself. It is filled with tools and resources and things that you can reference and use to help improve your game and those that you might be helping out. One thing that I've actually found to be really cool is actually their ball speed analyzer. So ball speed is one of those things that gets pointed out really, really frequently when referencing how to bowl uh, at the highest level. Professionals talk about all the time, you need to be able to control your ball speed, be able to get that to match up with the rev rate that you're trying to put on the bowling ball. So being able to have a good read on what it is that you're trying to do with your ball speed when you're practicing is gonna be essential to improving your game. So if you're working on improving the control of your ball speed, this tool is gonna be way more accurate and effective than any on-monitor or on-screen speedometers that are included in a bowling scoring system because it's not reliant on external variables like how much the ball slows down from uh, front to back, but also it's not gonna be reliant on the accuracy of that speedometer. There can be a lot of disparity between house to house and center to center on what those are actually reading, but the app is gonna be able to give you a consistent read on every shot uh, every time. I recommend checking this tool out. You know, one thing about practice is that it's really about efficiency of repetitions, not necessarily just putting in a bunch of shots, but making sure that the practice that you're doing is effective. And this tool is really, really helpful in that. So definitely check it out. There is a link in the description below. So Chris Prather is one of the most prominent up and coming younger bowlers out on the PBA tour today. He is considered to have one of the best touches in the game with him and Frankie Lavoie, where they're just so soft with it at the bottom and are able to control and manipulate the bowling ball better than most of their competition. And that is something that has not necessarily come easy or natural to Chris. Now, uh, he has advanced his game pretty significantly here in the last few years. And because of that, he's seeing some pretty marked success. You know, he is a two-time $100,000 winner from the PBA playoffs, as well as the Tournament of Champions. Um, but he's also just highly intelligent. He, he's really dug himself into understanding the dynamics of how bowling works. Very different from what EJ Taggart does. You know, when we talked with him, it was very feel-based. It was very much focused on communicating from what his eye is seeing to what he's trying to do with his hand, whereas Chris is a little bit more analytical. So we do get to dive into that a little bit. We get to dive into kind of what he's looking forward to this season, um, as well as just kind of looking back and, you know, kind of reminiscing a little bit on the successes that he's had and also what he's really uh, hoping to see out of us as fans uh, during shows. So I really hope you like it, guys. This is 10 Pin Life Podcast number eight with the shark, Chris Prather. Yeah, I guess to fire this one off, Chris Prather, uh, the shark. Yeah. Um, which, if I did, you get the, was it actually from the phone case or was it, the phone case the result? Uh, no, I got it from the phone case. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, Tim Mack, he's actually yeah. bowling this week. He's yeah. uh, one of the uh, Storm's ball reps. Yep. He saw it and he's just sitting on the table. Yep. And. He's like, I'm just going to call you Shark. It stuck. You know, it stuck. Now everyone and calls you Shark. Yeah. And honestly, Tim Mack, so charismatic. The influence makes oh, sense. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, you, sir, are the two-time $100,000 man. Yeah. Um, if it's okay with you, I would like to start there because <laughs> that's one of those things. I yeah. mean, Mika did it. He won the 250 a long time ago. But um, just purely from a, a clutch bowling, knowing what's on the line, because you can tell me all you want that you didn't know what was on the line, but I know you're lying. 
Uh, and to do it twice over, um, let's start with the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You're up in Bayside, you know, in, in an insane setting. Yep. Um, talk what, what in the if you can describe that experience, what was that like? Uh, it's it's like you're a professional athlete for real, like on yeah. an NFL, MLB kind of stage where there's tens of thousands of fans at a game. Yeah. But it's in such a small area that the two or three hundred people that are there just echo and it yeah. just reverberates throughout the whole building. Yep. And it's uh, honestly like if I didn't bowl the league, uh, the mm-hmm. PBA league prior to that, because mm-hmm. I actually didn't bowl that great in the league. We ended up winning that year, but mm-hmm. I didn't bowl that great. Mm-hmm. And uh, a little bit of it was the atmosphere because I'd never experienced anything like that. You know, I'm yeah. used to everybody being quiet and no one really, you know, chanting my name or anything like that. So it was a huge kind of like shock to me. Yeah. So I think a little bit of a warm up into the PBA league helped for the playoffs. Yeah. And I believe if you go back, I had some of the lowest winning scores uh, <laughs> throughout the whole event. Like, you know, Rash had 270, 270 and lost. Yeah. You know, and yep. uh, I'm beating Belmo with 220, 220. Yep. Like, my high game for that playoffs was, I think, like 227. And now, granted, I didn't have any really low games. I think right. my low game was the very first one I bowled, which was like 202 or something like that against Darren. Yep. But I really hovered in that 210 to 220 range. Yeah. And I think a lot of that was just dictated by, uh, you know, who I was bowling and kind of the, the atmosphere and, yep. you know, especially – understanding what was on the line you know like sure the playoffs was a little bit different like uh i had thought about the money prior to that because at the time it wasn't a title for me i i don't really care about like obviously money is cool right money makes the world go round but uh (laughs) i really just wanted to win and uh titles are way more important to me than than money so uh going into it my wife and i had planned out no matter what happened we had planned out what was going to be used the money was going to be used on yep so uh we said okay if i lose against simo we get 20 grand awesome we're gonna do this with it yep. if i beat simo and lose to whoever mm-hmm. i get 40 50 000, whatever it is mm-hmm. we're gonna use this and if i win we're gonna you know build a a, a house and yeah. we that's what we end up doing yeah. so uh the playoffs was totally different than looking at the TOC. Sure. The TOC, I'm like, I want to win the major. I don't care about the money. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, you were one strike away from a million dollars. I'm like, yeah, but if I throw that strike, maybe I don't throw the next 10, you know? And right. I definitely am thinking about the million whenever I get up on the 10th frame if I had the front oh, nine. for like, sure, yeah. There's no chance I'd... Uh, I'd be thinking about that one in about the seventh. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, all right, I'm halfway there. Yeah. All right, I can do this, <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it's just, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I know a lot of people that may watch this are either going to their first ever PBA event and they're going to watch and, and, you know, be a part of the TV show. Mm -hmm. And there are some people that are going to maybe their 10th or 12th or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. But us bowlers, I'm going to say it to the camera, (laughs) us bowlers love the atmosphere that Bayside provides. So if you guys want to treat it like a real sporting event and just be excited and happy and loud we love that. It gets us going. It makes for better TV, and it makes for a better experience for you guys. So be loud. Be you know charismatic. Be just fans of the sport. That's what we want. 
I'm sold. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's more exciting. Like, I may not be the one guy doing that for the next two days, just like the black yeah. sheep, because I don't want to get punched. Yeah. But, let, <laughs> no, that's awesome. Let me, uh, let me clarify. On TV, yes, if you come to the right. TV shows, be be loud, be... You know, that, that's that's kind of where we're trying to go. Yeah. You know, and uh, I think uh, when Bolero took over, that's yep. what they wanted to see. And, it, you know, they kind of – they didn't have ownership yet when the playoffs was coming out, but that's yep. why the playoffs was in Bolero – or in uh, uh, Bayside, sorry. Oh, sure. Uh, because the atmosphere is incredible, yeah. you know, and they wanted yep. good TV. And so, yeah, I get it. And that, it makes for the, the greatest. I mean, it's in terms of the – the last was it the the TOC that um, O'Grady won? Yep. Was that nineteen? I liked that one. Yep. Because of just oh the mass of people. Yep. That was cool, but it was still that traditional quiet format. And like they've done some cool stuff, you know, when it was in Reno mm-hmm. and just trying to use the stadium to its advantage. But Bayside Bowl is its own animal. Oh yeah. So I actually, I, hopefully, I want to try to get up there. Not this year because I'm having a kid in April, but oh. next year. So, um, all right. I guess. So actually, um, the first interview that I did today was with um, uh, Tom Hess and AJ Johnson. Who, when I did that interview with them, I was like, "Oh, you are the only two guys that I've ever bowled with." Completely forgetting <laughs> that uh, there was an event it, at Bolero in Wamatosa four or five years ago. It was a doubles event that you bowled with Brandon Biondo, yeah. and you guys housed everybody in brackets. Um, so you are the third person that I've actually <laughs> ever bowled against. Um, walk me through kind of how your bowling career got you to this point, I guess. Like, Well, uh, so I grew up in a relatively small town, uh, Milton, Florida. It's just uh, east of Pensacola. Oh, sure. So, uh, you know, we didn't have a ton of money, but Every other weekend, we were traveling uh, to this youth tour called SSJBA, Southern Scratch Junior Bowler Association. And uh, I actually bowled against guys like Gary Faulkner, A.J. Rice, um, Cameron Doyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of competition growing up. And it really kind of paved the way for my competitiveness, yeah. you know, growing up against guys that were at the time just beat my face in yeah uh yeah cameron is one of the best youth bowlers to yeah. have ever lived and honestly if he would have stayed at like five foot two <laughs> instead of six foot four he would probably have like six or seven titles already yeah. uh but he got tall and lanky and uh didn't yeah, really when your arm swing adds a foot yeah, in exactly. radius it's, it's some changes yeah so like i think that was the biggest thing that, that happened to him is yeah. you know he just he he grew too tall too fast yeah. uh but yeah like I, I grew up in a small town, bowling little youth events and traveling from Florida all the way up to Tennessee every other weekend, and yeah. uh, you know bowling on against guys older than me, bigger than me, stronger than me, and just trying to compete. Mm-hmm. And went to Wichita State for just a little bit of time, and uh, honestly, going to Wichita was the biggest thing for me. Yeah, uh, I didn't realize how much there was to know about bowling between. Yeah. You know, cover stocks, cores, RGs, differentials, uh, how to read a lane front to back instead of left to right. Like, I didn't know any of this. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so going there, it, like, sparked my interest in learning about the sport and really diving into that analytical and, and thought process oriented way of looking at bowling instead of just getting up there and throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. So that, that kind of 
ignited the flame as to you know lead me to where I am now. And like, yeah, everyone says, oh, you got a great physical game. Well, yeah, sure, you can throw it pretty all you want, but you got to know where it's going and understand like what ball differences are and you know making the right moves at the right time. Like you can look pretty doing it, you know every yeah. day, you know all you want, but that doesn't yep. mean you're going to win. Right. Uh, so for me, it's a uh, you know a little bit of a combination of both, but uh, you know it's been a lot of hard work uh almost homelessness uh i've I've told that story multiple times where you know i uh got kicked out of college dropped out was almost homeless trying to make it in bowling wasn't really winning any money living off of popcorn and ramen and then uh fortunate enough to my for my grandpa that he uh supported my dreams and and supplied the the funds for the first two years of my tour life where I didn't make any money. Mm-hmm. And he was like, just keep working. I'll fund it as long as you want to go. And I got, uh, I made some career changes as far as uh, companies and uh, started working with some people that were like-minded sure. uh, for me mm-hmm. and uh, started having success almost immediately. Yeah. Uh, two months in, made my first show, and then it just kind of cascaded from there. And, uh, you know, I'm just super fortunate to be in the situation I am now because it easily I I was very close to just quitting yeah and uh not doing this anymore and uh ended up winning and making some shows and having success and and here we are now that's one of the big things I I would be I would be really interested to talk to like a lot of the guys that are like north of 40 Mm -hmm. like how many times did you almost quit almost retire because it's gotta be a lot. Yeah. This it, sport is brutal to some dudes. It, it really is. And especially for the guys that are maybe the generation ahead of me, yeah. uh, they went through, you know, where the market crashed and everything, there was no all the money, tour, yeah, no money. The, the money was gone. Everything just kind of tanked. Yep. And I caught the tail end of it where I, you know, there wasn't a ton of money, but you could still make a, a, a moderately good living. Yep. And, uh, you know, now we're on the upswing, and I'm hoping it continues on that mm-hmm. path. Yeah. And I think Bolero has done a great job, and especially with Fox. Uh, Fox seems to be super interested with us, and I think that uh, the future is looking pretty bright for us, and it's going to be, you know, dependent upon how good can us bowlers be on TV and can we be enticing and entertaining yep. and, and grab people's attention. Yep. I'll, I'll have to save that whole spiel for a longer podcast because I got my whole theory on that. But, um, but we're on the same page for yeah. sure. It, it's let make make the sport compelling because it's compelling. Like right. just let it be what it is. Teach people what it means because mm-hmm. that's the thing you said. It lit, it lit the fire once you figured out everything that was going on. Yep. Very similar story. It went from sixty feet and ten pins to an unlimited number of variables. Yep. It doesn't stop. No, it really doesn't. Um, and. At least if, you know, if I'm a, a more of an analytical guy, I was talking to EJ earlier. He was like, I just I just bowl on feel. Mm-hmm. I, and it's, everyone does their thing. Um, and, and that's the cool part about the sport is you can do th- that thing, you yep. know. You, you guys are on the same level doing it way different ways. Yep. So um, I guess to go along with that, what are you looking forward to most coming into this year, you know? Tours, the season starts tomorrow. Yeah, it. Uh, I'm honestly super excited. Uh, I've been working really hard. Yeah. Uh, I've made some lifestyle changes. Sure. Um, 
I just hit 30 a couple weeks ago. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, you know, it's honestly been physically downhill since 25. Yep. Uh, so for me, it's a little bit more activity, uh, just, you know, being outside, walking, playing with the dogs, you know, just being on my feet more. Yep. And uh, stretching has been huge. Sure. Uh, not really working out a ton mm-hmm. uh, just because I don't want to be, you know, bulky. Uh, but it's, you know, just trying to take care of my body. You know, yep. guys like LeBron spend a couple million dollars on their body. I don't have that kind of funds. But, <laughs> right. but you know, like on our scale, yeah. I'm, I'm investing more into my body trying to yeah. – better prepare me for these long events, these long days and trying to stay mentally and physically sharp. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that improvement on the lanes, off the lanes and, yeah. uh, you know, just trying to stay competitive. Do you do anything in terms of exercise for uh, mental fitness? I practice patience every day. Sure. Uh, I love you, uh, Ashley. <laughs> I'm married. Yep. Uh, so I practice Patience. Mental patience every day. Every day. Every day. Yep. <laughs> I love you, Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, I hope she watches. Um, but, uh, no, I, I, I read books. Uh, Inner Game of Tennis is one of my favorites. Yep. Peaceful Warrior is a good one. It's not necessarily about – Peaceful Warrior is more of a story about how uh, an individual goes through the process of becoming mentally strong while also being physically strong. Yep. Um, and, and controlling that anger to be a peaceful warrior, right? And anger has always been my, like, Achilles heel, right? Like, I, if I get confused, I just kind of, like, snap, and I'm like, ugh. And then I start, I, I have to, like, vent to somebody to get all that frustration out. And then, like, one thing that I've been doing is I'll actually, like, go outside. Obviously not right now because it's 11 degrees, but I'll go outside and just yell. Oh, and, sure. yeah. and just get that, like, angst and anxiety out and then i come back in and i'm i'm more relaxed i'm better right yeah. uh so like uh just practicing patience and and trying to allow the thoughts to kind of go through my mind while not reacting to them because yeah. most people they allow the thoughts to go through but then they react to them like oh that's a negative one i'm gonna be angry you yeah. know or or oh that's a good thought i'm gonna be happy and, and it's for me trying to just keep that even keel yeah i guess that was something i was really curious about for yourself because like from a from a third party's perspective the, the even keel comes off like from an as an observer it's like he doesn't really get low he doesn't get very high like you know yeah. you don't you don't slap shots off on tv maybe one but you know if you're bowling for 100k and it's the one in the ninth like i get it but like it's not it's not a regular part of your game, so I was just I was just curious if and that that makes total sense. It's just make make it even. So um, anything specific about this event that you're uh, thinking is going to be weird or different? Um, I think uh, the biggest thing is that we have more. Uh, I call them part-time tour bowlers because they do come and bowl some of our events, but they're not full-time. Yeah, and. They don't necessarily play the lanes wrong, yeah. but they don't play them how we typically play them. Yep. So I think the transition is going to be a little different, and I think pair-to-pair is going to be really weird. Um, I think maybe a little bit of ball selection, because on the shorter one, the 39-footer, everyone's going to throw your thing yeah. because it's – what it's everybody what does, do. yeah, right? If it's less it, than 40, it's your thing. I mean, there are even guys throwing it on the 45 because yeah. they got her hooked. So yeah. 
Uh, I think, you know, being aware of what was thrown on the lane prior to you is going to be huge and keeping tabs of what people are doing on your pair is going to be huge oh, okay. uh, because, you know, with how high the rev rates are on a lot of with a lot of these guys, they change the lanes really quick. Yeah. So I think transitions going to happen fast. Moves are going to be quick and uh, it might not be just move left and throw it right. It's probably going to be ball down and stay in the same spot and kind of try to trap it in there and and just, you know, hope it strikes, you yeah. know, like. Right now, they, they feel kind of easy, yep. but no spare shots. Um, people, you know, bowling more on the low end than the high end. Yep. So once it starts getting even as far as number of people on the lane and number of shots, I think it's going to be, you know, just managing pair to pair and trying to control the pocket. I'm excited. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, I, I hope that there is way too many people here tomorrow. Oh, that I, would be. I was honestly surprised, like. Obviously, all the bowlers were here, but yeah. I walked in. I was like, oh, you know, I, I, there's not many people here. Yeah. Like, I expected more people, and uh, there just weren't today. <laughs> Even with the bowlers, like, I felt like there weren't a lot of bowlers. It was very, yeah. It, like, everybody seemed like they were here, but it was, yeah, as you, all, you were all spread out, it's like. Yeah. It, this is weird. Right. It, there were gaps. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, uh, is everyone here? Yeah. Like. Because with 30 minutes to go, there were only, like, 25 people here. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, like, I know that there's going to be at least two spectators tomorrow, uh, my <laughs> wife and Mitchupe's uh, fiancé. So, Perfect. I mean, there's going to be at least two more. Got it. That's all. I mean, as long as you got the one that matters, right? Right, exactly. Because you love her. Yeah. And you practice patience. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Don't forget that. Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, uh I think it's dinner time. I, I agree. About you, but uh, thanks so much for the time, Chris. It was Absolutely. really fun to yeah. have this conversation. Um, if you're ever down to have a longer one and talk about some of the other crazy ideas that I might have, <laughs> I would be down for that. We can do that one virtually, but uh, thanks for hanging out. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me.